Good morning from MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I'm Dr. Michelle Owens, specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC. Today's topic, breast cancer. As we get ready to welcome October, we're gearing up to think pink. That's right. It's that time again. Tomorrow, Breast Cancer Awareness Month kicks off. Your statistic, one in eight women in the United States will be diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime. What factors increase your risk? How can you decrease those risks? What are the best tests for breast cancer, and when should women be screened? Dr. Sean McKinney and Allie Brown are here in the studio with me to take your questions and discuss your concerns. If you or someone you know has breast cancer, we invite you to share your comments, stories, and experiences with us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464, or send us an email at women at mpbonline.org. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. Federal investigators are looking through the wreckage of yesterday's train derailment at the Hoboken Terminal in New Jersey, which claimed one life and left more than 100 people wounded. Peladins, our vice chair of the National Transportation Safety Board, tells NBC's Today Show that a collapsed canopy remains resting on top of the car that sped off the tracks, making it difficult for investigators to access areas of the crash site. And she spoke of the need to avoid speculation. We want to make sure we get all of the facts, and we're going to be interviewing anyone. We also ask people who may have information to let us know. We'll also be reviewing any uh, of the video recordings that are available, any of the security footage that's available. The conductor was among the injured, and he's said to be cooperating with authorities. The Clinton campaign's rejecting claims that it helped get U.S. citizenship for former Miss Universe, who's been an outspoken critic of Republican Donald Trump. The Clinton campaign's communications director says Trump just needs to stop attacking Alicia Machado. The former Miss Universe accuses Trump of emotionally and verbally abusing her in public because she had gained weight. Hillary Clinton invoked Machado's name during Monday night's debate when she described Trump as sexist and unfit to serve as president. Since then, Trump has been defending his comments about Machado and early this morning fired off tweets ripping into Machado's character. Clinton is campaigning in Florida today while Trump focuses on Michigan. The Syrian government and its allies are bombarding the rebel-held part of Aleppo. NPR's Alice Fordham has the latest. The charity Doctors Without Borders is urging an end to the week-long assault. It says hospitals received 228 bodies between September 21st and 26th. Nearly 100 of those bodies were children. An aid worker speaking anonymously for his safety says people are stuck in their houses. Last week was like hell on everyone in Aleppo City. The people were stuck in their houses. They couldn't move and step because the heaviest bombing happened. The World Health Organization also counts hundreds of recent deaths and has called on the regime to allow in medical equipment. Attacks by rebels have also killed civilians, though far fewer. Four died today. Alice Fordham, NPR News, Beirut. World leaders attended the funeral today of Shimon Peres, the former president and prime minister of Israel, among them Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. Here's NPR's Daniel Estrin. It was Abbas's first official visit to Israel in about six years. He shook hands with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and was given a front row seat at Shimon Peres' funeral. But Israeli-Palestinian peace talks are at a standstill. Netanyahu said this month that Abbas stoked hatred. President Obama spoke at Paris's funeral and acknowledged the significance of the Palestinian leader being there. Paris shared a Nobel Peace Prize for his efforts to reach peace with the Palestinians. He died at the age of 93 this week following a stroke. Daniel Estrin, NPR News, Jerusalem. This is NPR. 
A historic mission to a comet ended today as the European Space Agency confirmed that its Rosetta probe had crashed into the comet's icy surface. NPR's Nell Greenfield-Boyce reports that the mission's final hour was subdued. Controllers in Germany quietly watched big screens, waiting for the loss of signal that would tell them Rosetta had hit the surface and stopped transmitting. There was no wild cheering. It was, after all, goodbye to an old friend. Rosetta launched in 2004. It was the first spacecraft to ever orbit a comet. It's now rejoined its old pal Philae. That's the lander it deployed and sent to the comet's surface back in 2014. The pair will travel on together indefinitely with their comet. Nell Greenfield, Boyce, NPR News. The rate of inflation in the Eurozone has doubled to its highest level in nearly two years. Eurostat, the European Union Statistics Agency for the bloc's 19 members, is posting a four-tenths of a percent increase for the month of September. The services sector, where prices climbed more than one percent over last year, was the largest contributor. Back here in the U.S., lower sales in new vehicles factor into the weakest level of consumer spending in five months. The Commerce Department is posting a flat reading for the month of August after consumer spending made solid gains during the previous two months. And personal incomes, they also had weak showing after rising two-tenths of a percent in August. The Dow was up 172 at 18,315. This is NPR. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Lumosity, brain training with games to challenge memory, attention, and problem-solving. From scientists and game designers exploring new ways to research human cognition. Learn more at Lumosity.com and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to women at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning, and we are here at Southern Remedy for Women, the show all about addressing issues of health and wellness from a woman's perspective. I'm Dr. Michelle Owens, specialist in maternal fetal medicine and OBGYN at UMMC. Today's topic is breast cancer. Fall is in the air. You felt it this morning. You felt it last night. Um, And with fall and the changing of the seasons, changes of the leaves, October comes in, which starts tomorrow, and we get to start changing our focus to breast cancer awareness. And so today um, I am joined in the studio with Dr. Allie Brown and Dr. Sean McKinney, who is an associate professor of surgery at UMMC, and she specializes in breast cancer uh, and, well, breast surgery. um, And some of that includes breast cancer surgery. So um, what we're going to do today is focus on breast cancer. We're going to do this a little bit in advance um, to have an opportunity to kick off uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month Uh, doing it the right way. So um, breast cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer in women. 
And as I mentioned earlier, about one in eight women in the United States will be diagnosed with breast cancer in her lifetime. Um, If you'd like to know what kinds of factors will increase your risk and how you might be able to decrease your risk for breast cancer, um, we'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about screening for breast cancer and some of the confusion that exists out there with respect to screening. I'm sure Dr. McKinney's looking forward to that. What tests people can use are that are being utilized in some of the new technologies, and we'll talk a little bit about treatment. Um, we are definitely open to hearing any stories. Um, being a survivor is an incredible thing, um, and for some of the people who are um, who are still currently in their fight against breast cancer, against this disease, we welcome you to come and share your uh, your stories and your experiences with us. I'll give you the number. It's one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. If you'd like to shoot us an email, if you're not able to get to a phone, you can uh, email us at women at mpbonline.org. So that being said, good morning, ladies. Good morning. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Scoop in Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I know, that's right? right? We're doing look. We're Such doing it before everything. That's right. Yeah, before you're everything like, I'm turns get it before pink. anybody else. That's, that's right. right. Before everything turns pink tomorrow, mm-hmm. we are getting people geared up. We're pink in mind. We Dr. Are, McKinney's right. wearing her pink today. Absolutely, Always. I should have worn mine. Mm-hmm. I have on my pink. Awesome. No comment. No <laughs> Everybody's like, uh, <laughs> we're gonna leave that one. Yeah. So, um. Dr. McKinney, we are so glad to have you back with us. Um, every time you're on the mic, you rock the mic. So we're glad that you're here to uh, share your exper- expertise with us. Um, and so for those of our listening audience who haven't had the opportunity to meet you before, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, as you mentioned, I am a breast surgeon at UMMC and have been here in Mississippi about three years. But I am a native New Orleanian. And um, Hi, Dr. Brown's I, all excited. Here we go. Me too, me too. Uh, nonetheless, even though our saints are doing horribly oh, this oh season. Oh, my gosh. We're used to that. Come on now. Right. <laughs> so I've got to cheer for some Mississippi teams this uh, this year. Keep my spirits up. But. I hear you. So up, oh, what team do you choose? Oh, I don't know. I'll say. Okay. I don't want to make any enemies. There so you I'm go. not choosing. Cheer I'm cheering for, for them Mississippi both. Teams. Oh, so yeah, all of them. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. From... You know, Oxford down to um, to Hattiesburg. Cheer for everybody, right? <laughs> Fantastic. So you train. Where did you do- tell us a little bit about your training? Because um, people may not understand exactly um, how how what you do is different than say the a general, just a regular old general surgeon. Yeah, and so a lot of general right. surgeons do a lot of breasts. Yeah, yes. frankly. So, yeah. yes. so tell us what makes you special. Well, I'm special because <laughs> I did additional training, um, and it's. Had to go through the regular general surgery training. So after traditional medical school and residency, surgical training, which was five years, then I knew that this was an area that I wanted to specialize in. So I did a breast fellowship at Dallas in Baylor, Baylor University, and uh, spent really a year there uh, focusing on everything breast, every aspect of breast, not just surgery, but medical oncology aspect, radiation, high risk, uh, really tying all that together. And um, it really helps, I think, to have that really global view that patients who come through the service, you can tell them exactly what to expect at every phase of their treatment. 
It was a wonderful experience. Yeah, we're glad to have your your expertise back here in the state of Mississippi. So um, once again, everyone, I just want to give out the number um, in case you have questions. Uh, The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. If you are at your desk listening, you can also shoot us an email at MP... I'm sorry, women at mpbonline.org. So um, let's just kind of jump right into it. Um, Tell us a little bit about what you, um, how a patient most commonly gets to you. How how do you most commonly see a patient or how do they get on your doorstep? Well, any number of ways. So it could be a self-referral. The patient could come in with a problem or something that they're feeling themselves and that can initiate a workup. Sometimes uh, patients come after they've had an abnormal mammogram, they've already had their imaging done, possibly had a biopsy, and it's shown some results that require surgery. So I get those patients as well for a surgical consultation. So it can come from any variety of ways. So there, are, But you do get some people who may have done their own self-exam and have found a, a mass or a lump Certainly. and then come to you for um further diagnosis or further workup. Certainly. And so um, what is the most, uh, how would you approach a person um, who comes to your office with a breast mass? Or if a person's doing their exam and they're out in radio land and they've done an exam and they've noticed something, what kinds of things make you more concerned? If If you feel a mass or if you've been told you have a mass, what are the things about the mass that can either heighten your concern for something severe or something that might be less severe? Well, I'm always a little bit more concerned when a woman tells me, I know I didn't feel this last month or two months ago, and now I do, because that already lets me know that the woman is conscious about what's going on with their body, and they know they've felt a change. Uh, That is going to make me be a lot more diligent about focusing in on the area that they feel and making sure that everything's okay. So I'm a big advocate of breast self-exams. I know not every society and recommendations uh, adhere to that, but I am a big proponent of women being aware of what's going on with their breasts. And that first change is really what makes me always a little bit more uh, concerned. I also, if something is not moving around in the breast, if the mass is relatively stable in one area, then I'm a lot more concerned than if it rolls around like a marble. So so mobility is one thing in mm-hmm. addition. Does the age of the patient have a lot to do with your level of concern? To some degree, but not so much these days <laughs> because I see a lot of young patients with breast cancer. So uh, if you're in your 20s and 30s, I still, I am still just as concerned as if you're in your 50s and 60s. Yes. I think everything needs to be at least imaged and investigated these days because unfortunately we do see those young age groups coming in and being diagnosed. I think that's a really good point for people to hear that, you know, it's not just like breast cancer isn't something that just happens to your mother or your grandmother. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you're even if you're a young woman with a mask, that it needs to be investigated. Um, so we now have a caller on the line. So we're going to uh, take a second and go to our um, to our phone lines before we go to a break. And we have Trudy, who's calling from Gulfport. Good morning, Trudy. Good morning. How are you? We're doing great. What's your question? Fantastic. My question is, is there a point in a woman's life, an age that 
Uh, she can stop having the mammograms and, and having a, a higher level. Uh, I'm not saying stop the manual exam herself, but uh, stop the mammograms and kind of breathe a little easier. Well, I, no, that's the short answer. Uh, you don't get it. So you, you don't, don't get out get of jail out free. Of it. <laughs> so here's here's the uh, the current recommendation. So on paper, it says that after the age of seventy five or so, then um, you can possibly stop having mammograms. But guess what? You know, two of the biggest risk factors for developing breast cancer are two things we can't change. One is being a woman, and the other is is age. So those are two things that we just can't change. So unfortunately, our risk increases as we get older. Now, there are some caveats to that, which are patient-dependent. And I feel 70, the older I get, 75 is younger to me. And if you are a healthy 75-year-old active lady with a life expectancy of, you know, 10, 15 more years then my thought is that we should continue to screen as opposed to someone who may be a 75 frail, maybe in a nursing home, you know, something Mm -hmm. that uh, there are other core morbidities or medical problems um, are more severe. So, yeah. But I think that's just one of the ways that you can kind of make sure that you're ensuring your longevity Yes, um, is yeah. by continuing your screening, especially knowing that the older you get, the higher your risk. And so it would make sense that the tests that we use to pick out those people that we are concerned about or that might actually have the disease, it would make sense that you would continue to do it for those people um, because right. that's your Thank risk. Thank you so much. That's Absolutely. Information. Thank you for the Y'all call. Have a great day. You too. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, yeah, that was a that was actually a really good question. I think it's important. We talked about um, the, the significance of, you know, even if you're a young person, don't blow it off. But yes. the other thing is that the older that we get, um, this is definitely one of the greatest uh, risk factors for development. So mm-hmm. I think it's... Yeah, like Dr. McKinney said, you have to look at the patient, right? Because yes. we know that older women usually, but not always, mm-hmm. will get a less aggressive form of breast cancer, usually, but that's not 100%. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are really doing quite well when they get older in age. And, you know, so I, I think it's so individualized and you see different recommendations, but you have to look at the patient. Yeah. Sure. And I mean, even if, I mean, even if you, um, if you have a less aggressive type of cancer it's still cancer and the general rule of thumb is early diagnosis is is key Mm -hmm. to increasing your survival and the length of survival and if if we're talking about the opportunities for a cure then the earlier you find it and can deal with it then the better off you are and if you think about it if you're in better health at that juncture then you have like overall it things look better or work more in your favor um so it's about time for us to take our first break um we are talking about breast cancer here on southern remedy for women i'm here with dr sean mckinney and dr Allie brown get your questions ready and call your friends because we will be right back to finish our conversation about breast cancer
From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. Hey, y'all, I'm Felder Rushing. Ain't it a great day? Now, my truck stands out around town. A garden in the back will do that. You can make your car truck stand out with the new MPB Car Tag. MPB Car Tag. It's a great way to show your support for MPB. Visit mpbonline.org and sign up for yours today. Woohoo! This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to women at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And we're back on Southern Remedy for Women. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Owens, and I'm here in the studio with Drs. Allie Brown and Dr. Sean McKinney, who is a breast surgery specialist. And we are talking about breast cancer. We are getting a jump start on tomorrow, which kicks off breast cancer awareness. So um, if you have questions, uh, comments, experiences that you'd like to share, I'd encourage you to give us a call. We are here taking your calls uh, live now. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can shoot us an email at uh, women at mpbonline.org. I keep wanting to leave the women off. I just keep wanting Don't to say leave women online. I know. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, but yes, Girl shoot, us a, shoot us an email at women at mpbonline.org. Um, so we had started off talking a little bit about um, patients feeling masses. And so um, let's talk a little bit about uh, other things that might be a symptom or a sign of uh, breast cancer or something that needs a little bit more work. And the reason that I asked that question is because I, I think sometimes people are under the misperception that anytime that you have cancer, that it's like that pain is always a heralding symptom or a sign of cancer or a malignancy. So um, can you talk to uh, our listeners a little bit about that? So uh, pain is usually not associated with breast cancer. Um, and it's it's a little funny because when it is associated with it, it's usually advanced. So for the most part, when most people are diagnosed, the cancer has been growing for a while, painlessly, unknowingly, until at the time you feel a lump. And um, the lump doesn't go away. But usually the, the lump itself is painless. And that can be a little bit of a surprise to patients because they feel like it should hurt. Yeah, but most it really people doesn't. think cancer hurts. Mm-mm. And and it is amazing whether it was we've talked about ovarian cancer, talking about breast cancer, um, how few uh, cancers actually present early with pain as a mm-hmm. symptom. Um, and so... For the women who are out there listening, or if you have a loved one if that has a mass or is concerned, just because it doesn't hurt doesn't mean that it's not cancer. And we're not saying that to alarm people, but we just don't want um, 
people to be misinformed and led to believe that, oh, well, if you find something and you want to ignore it because it's not painful, that um, that is not a good reason to um, to dismiss your symptoms, that those are still um, it's still something that needs to be followed up in some way. So um, other things that can uh, that we are concerned about when we're examining or looking at the breast, other changes that can occur. I think most people are aware or think very readily. If I said, if I just, you know, did a poll and said, Hey, what do you think if a person has breast cancer, how would they present? I think most people would say, okay, they probably would feel a lump or their doctor might feel a lump, but there are some other things that can happen. Other changes that can occur in the breast that also, um, can, that also need further attention. Sure. So there are some skin changes that can happen, and uh, occasionally these can be subtle, uh, especially sometimes if you're a darker-skinned lady, African-American lady, sometimes you don't notice it. Uh, But that's where it really becomes important to look at the other breasts, look at both breasts. I mean, when you're talking about examining your breasts, you want to look as well as feel. So you want to look and see if the skin on one side is different than the skin on the other side. Some more aggressive uh, types of breast cancer can present with a reddish kind of hue to the breast. And it can look like an infection of the breast. Sometimes the breast can even feel hot or warm. uh, But that certainly deserves an investigation to make sure that it's not a form of an inve- a very aggressive type of breast cancer. And that's um, the inflammatory, inflammatory breast cancer, yes. right? And so that's I think that's important, too, because a lot of people have been um, diagnosed with an infection or it is an infection. They get treatment and the infection doesn't get better. Yes. And sometimes it meant that the treatment with multiple courses of different antibiotics or being seen by different people who are all saying the same things can sometimes lead to a delay in diagnosis. So it, breast infections are probably way more common than inflammatory breast cancer, which is great because that's it's a, a very aggressive kind of cancer. But the other the flip side of that is that if you have an infection and you are getting the appropriate treatment, it should get better and go away. It should get better, and it should get better pretty quickly. So it should get better within a week. And for those patients that uh, I suspect may have an infection, I don't let those patients sit out there. So I see them. I may put them on an antibiotic. I think this is an infection, but I want to see you back. And I want to see that the infection is cleared up. And then even if the infection is cleared up for me, I still will do some type of imaging after the infection is cleared just to make sure. Because inflammatory breast cancer is very sneaky because it does not have to present with the mass at all or anything that you can feel. So the, you know, the onus is on me to make sure that we're not missing something. And if you're someone who, you know, has an infection and the, your physician tells you to wait, you know, for two or three weeks or to come back or is trying different antibiotics, then it really, you really need to kind of press that person to make sure that we're not missing something. Yeah, because I, infections should clear pretty quickly. It's never the wrong question to ask your doctor why am I not getting better? If we're trying things Mm -hmm. and you're not seeing improvement, I think that's a very good question because 
um, when you ask that question, then it does, it makes your physician kind of pump the brakes and think about, well, that's actually a good question. Why are you not getting better? Is there something that we're missing, something we're not doing? So it's actually a good segue. We're going to go to Robert, who's calling from Corinth. And Robert, I think, has a question we're going to follow up on imaging. This is going to get dicey, I'm sure. Um, Good morning, Robert. How are you? Good morning. Very well. And first, let me thank you for Southern Remedies and for the specialists that you have on. It's, It's very educational. And wonderful. Thank you so much. My question is in regard to a new imaging uh, called uh, 3D tomosynthesis. Uh, our hospital is now going to be able to offer that, and I'm wondering about the advantage of 3D tomosynthesis. And also, my other question is, uh, how would that radiation exposure compare to the more traditional 2D. That that is really a great question, Robert. Um, as more centers are adopting this new imaging technique, uh, patients and families are really trying to figure out. You know, is this something that they need to get done, and also what is the risk? So, what so, exactly <laughs> is this tomosynthesis thing? Is this so, kind of like a? Is it ultrasound based? Is no, it? What is it? It's like a. Um, it's like an extra special mammogram. Oh. <laughs> so, unfortunately, you you are put in the machine the same way that a mammogram is done. So, so no, ladies, you do not get out of doing that. It's still the so, pancake. Still the pancake. Thing? Still the pancake and in two different views of of each breast. However, if you have ever had a mammogram done before, you'll notice the top part of the mammogram does not move. You just take the picture, then it's released. On the 3D uh, mammogram, the top part of the mammogram actually moves. And as it moves, it's taking pictures, slices of the breast at specific intervals, and then... um, rendering those images. So it is a step up from a traditional mammogram. And in certain aspects, it is a very good imaging technique. So where I think it helps the most is for women who have denser breasts. Um, I think that it really helps the radiologist to see through tissue a whole lot better than what they would traditionally be able to see with a regular mammogram. The other way it really helps is if, is what's called the callback rate. So this is something that uh, radiologists use to measure. So how many people they're calling back to get additional images after just a regular mammogram is done. And sometimes these images are done just to make sure that a specific area of the breast is okay. It could be the dense tissue. It could be because they're seeing something um, and they just can't figure it out on just those two films. The 3D is really good at taking slices through that area and really confirming or not whether it's a mass or something to be concerned about. So in that respect, I think it really adds to the armamentarium of the radiologist and can sometimes really calm some anxiety for women who um, traditionally will get a call back for extra films, and they may not need to come back. So that, that's the great aspect of it. The not-so-great aspect of it is that it is not totally paid for yet, 
and accepted by a lot of insurance companies. That's the new technology thing. It <laughs> yes. takes it a while to catch on. And I think it, like you said, if it's not one of those things that can be applied universally, yes. then it it's a little harder, or at least there's a prior authorization or some justification. Yeah. They want to know, is it a superior technique that right. costs more money? Like if the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, if it's just as effective to have a regular mammogram, a digital mammogram or whatever, mm-hmm. then why pay more for a different modality? So I think right. that's another thing they hold out for. Exactly. Evidence. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and in some patients, there clearly is a, a benefit. It is more expensive. You know, obviously the equipment is more expensive, but also it takes the radiologist longer to read because they're reading more films. So it is it does have some extra costs associated with it. And right now the radio, the um, insurance and everybody really doesn't want to uh, globally say that this is okay for everyone. So there might be an additional cost patient costs added on if that's something that's recommended. Um, As far as just touching on the radiation exposure aspect, um, it it does not, and this has been proven in um, many uh, clinical studies, it really is not um, an added uh, detrimental amount of x-ray exposure. Um, We actually are exposed more to (laughs) radiation in the environment than this film uh, once a year so but it is it's nice to know that there's a an opportunity for women because many women who get who are who've been getting uh, routine mammograms those of you who are the callback girls the callback mm-hmm. girl group you yes. know who you are um, and so for them this may actually be something that a decreases anxiety because anytime you get a phone call from getting your test done mm-hmm. and they tell you you need to come back and get another test there's all that anxiety and everything else that comes again yes. and then the additional cost associated with it and if you're going to come back and you're going to repeat the same darn thing then you wonder how much better is it going to be so this actually might add another layer for those women at least mm-hmm. to be able to give them a little peace of mind and also to kind of help give them a better opportunity at a good diagnosis from the very beginning. So, Robert, thank you so much for that that question. It was uh, it was great. I appreciate it. And, and Timely. Thank you, for, thank you for the excellent explanation. Wonderful. You're welcome. Have a good weekend. <laughs> thank you. Um, next, we're going to stay on the lines. We have Dexter, who is calling from Oxford. Good morning, Dexter. Hi. Um, my sister-in-law is about 100 pounds and... She has a pacemaker, so how do you evaluate evaluate the breast with a pacemaker? Well, we can still evaluate the breast uh, with a pacemaker in place, and it should not hinder uh, that evaluation at all. Sometimes the location of the pacemaker and uh, how big the device is and exactly where it is may pose a little bit of a problem with her um, getting into the machine, but... um, that should be something that the technologist should uh, make the radiologist aware of. And if it's something that is uh, just not the greatest from the positioning aspect, then they can supplement with an ultrasound uh, of the areas that could be missed or could be cut off just, just based on where her pacemaker is. So using multiple uh, types of imaging in order to get a complete picture of Correct. exactly what's going on. So Dexter, did that answer your question? Would the mammogram process impact on the lead wires? No, no, sir, no. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Have a great weekend. Okay, bye. 
So um, once again, let me give everybody the number. We've had some great calls, and I'm sure you got some wonderful questions that we can answer here. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Um, or you can send us an email during the break, women at mpbonline.org. Um, we will be right back after this to continue our conversation on breast cancer. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Put your hands on the radio. This is Jim Dees, host of Thacker Mountain Radio, inviting you to join us every Saturday night at 7 p.m., where we'll feature the best in literature and music. We're inviting you to reach out and put your hands on the radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. Thacker Mountain Radio on MPB Think Radio. Here comes Jim D. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to women at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And thanks for joining us. You are listening to Southern Remedy for Women, and we are talking about breast cancer. Um, We have had some really great questions and comments thus far, so I'm going to give you the number in case you want to be a part of this thing that is happening here. One eight seven seven. It's all happening. It's all happening right now, right here in this moment. Um, the number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send us an email to women at mpbonline.org. So when we were on the break, Doctor Brown, you um, brought up some things. I guess about. Was it related to screening questions about? Yeah, I just wanted to uh, ask Dr. McKinney or mention that we spark some sort of uh, conversation because we all know that finding it as early as possible, finding breast cancer, pretty much every cancer, is the key to having the best option for a cure. And we still, unfortunately, and I know in your practice, you still see women presenting with very advanced breast cancers and for some reason you know they're either I don't know if it's denial or or what they're letting it get kind of advanced 
you're kind of knowing that it's there, but maybe not accepting it. And people are often afraid to do things like go get a mammogram. And I just wanted, you know, maybe we could talk about ways that uh, we can encourage women to go get mammograms that it's not scary, that most women, even if you get called back for a mammogram, you most probably do not have cancer. And even most women who have a breast biopsy, it ends up being benign. So can you speak about that and how we can encourage women to get screened and understand their bodies? Sure. Uh, You know, fear is a big, big hindrance to uh, anything getting diagnosed, but certainly breast cancer. So, and that's understandable. I mean, we're very fearful of being diagnosed, so that makes us pull away at even getting the testing. Um, I encourage if you have a girlfriend, you know, mom, sister, you all make a day of it. Make it, you know, girls something day girls out. day, right. schedule it. Wear pink you know, and have a glass of wine after. Pe- exactly. Yes. Go to yes. lunch. Um, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So that the mammogram is not the most important. It's just a part of the day. It's not the most important thing that's happening that day. But you all are just hanging out and by the way we're going to get our mammograms yeah, it's interesting that you say that because um we had a we talked about um ovarian cancer earlier and we had Lori Newcomb who is an who is currently in her fight against ovarian cancer and we talked about that and she said that one of the things that she does for herself on her birthday mm-hmm. is she goes and gets her exam and um, I have a, a good friend who is an oncologist. She's a cancer doctor. And that is what sh- she actually posts this on her Facebook page when she is sitting in the car and she has she puts a pink ribbon on her birthday. And the fact that she is sitting in the car anxious about going to get her mammogram. But that is the gift that she gives herself every year. And when Lori said that, it just really resonated with me, the concept of all of the things that people could give us, how wonderful is it that we would give ourselves the gift of good health, or at least trying to make sure that we are our healthiest selves um, by taking the time out. It's your special day, your anniversary of another year on this Mm -hmm. planet. And so you quote, celebrate by going out and that being a part of the celebration of your life. Yes. Yeah, and take I care just, of yourself. Yeah. Peace of mind. Make it positive. Mm-hmm. Make it make it a positive feeling. It's yeah. hard to make the pancake thing feel positive. <laughs> it's though. not I mean, so bad. <laughs> it's not so bad. So you know, we've all all of us have had mammograms before. I'm sure it. I am not going to say it does not hurt because that would be it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, but Correct. it's very short lived. Women have a high threshold for discomfort and pain. We, I would say there are worse to. things, and, and even if you don't, it's yeah. still worth it. And yeah. right, it's worth and right, right, right. Some things you can do. So you know, sometimes scheduling. You know, if you if you're still cycling, then scheduling it not you know before your cycle when sometimes the breasts are a little bit more tender, but kind of after if if your cycle is pretty predict- predictable. If not, then a couple a day or two before, start taking some ibuprofen before mm. the mammogram day, and especially on the day of the mammogram, take some ibuprofen about thirty. Make sure that dose is about thirty forty five minutes before you go in, and we can set this up so that it does not have to be so 
um, much discomfort associated with it. Yeah. And I mean, for some people, anxiety is a big issue Mm -hmm. or concern. There are ways that that can be addressed, um, whether it's by using behavioral techniques and relaxation or in some instances where it may be more severe, if there's a need for medication, then in some instances that may be possible there. There to me, I think you have to search really far and wide to find a valid reason not to get this done. Um, And usually what happens, even from the patients that I see who have been very reluctant or hesitant to do this, they come back and they say, nobody's ever like, yeah, it was the best thing ever. So I haven't quite gotten that. But at the same time, they've said, you know, I was I was way more afraid or anxious than that was really worth like right. afterwards they're like you know it really wasn't, wasn't that bad it, it wasn't, wasn't that, that big of a it's deal it's all in your mind yeah it wasn't it's, it wasn't really that big of a deal and the other thing that i i would like for us to speak to is this concept of well if i got it i don't want to know mm-hmm. if i've got it and, you'll and, know eventually is the yeah. problem and right so some, better know early but i've had some patients who've said Dr. Owens, I just can't handle any more bad news. Or every time I've gone, because think about this walk toward a diagnosis, and since we're focusing on cancer, but there's so many other things that happen with breasts that are yes. not cancer. But but during this process, so first it's maybe a mass, or it's you have an infection and it's not an infection, and then you get the mammogram, and then there's something unusual, or there's something that's concerning, and then it's a biopsy, and then there's oh, well, this is what we like. It's along the process. There are all these different steps. And so people are just like, if I have it, I don't want to know, or I just can't handle any more bad news. Well, even if you don't get the news, that doesn't mean that this process is not happening. And people don't do things to make breast cancer happen for them. I don't think that there's anyone who has a cancer diagnosis who, if given the opportunity, would not say, yeah, I I don't want to do this. Um, and, And even though people get through it and they are able to persevere and they're resilient and they survive and they thrive, that this is not something that people voluntarily enter into. It's not an agreement. We go in, we sign, and then it happens to us. And so I think it's very important for people who are who are overly fearful or who are concerned or who feel like that little bit of information is just too much. I would submit that not having that information makes it so much worse for you in the end. Yes. Because the, the sooner you know, the quicker you can do something about yeah, it. It takes Absolutely. the power away from you. Yeah. And, right. and you, uh-huh. the proximity, like the proximity, I say this all the time, proximity to the problem, proximity to the solution. If you're really close to the problem, then you are also very close, close. to the solution. Oh, I like that, the, Dr. Yes. Owens. The further back you get away, so wise. you know, yeah. it's like, it's kind of like my five-year-old Write calling me on down. the phone yeah. and says, mommy, the doors, you know, like you're calling me and I'm in the store and you okay. say, mommy, the door is open. Okay. Well, you're standing there. Mm-hmm. It is let's, probably, let's do some problem solving. Yeah, it's right? it's yeah. probably easier for you to close the door than it would be for me to close the door from the store. So mm-hmm. it's the same concept. If you are close to a problem, and this is like just for health in general, you're also really, really close to the solution. And I think that that shouldn't be something that makes us run away, but it actually could empower us to feel much more, um, even if it's not all about totally control, mm, but at the same time, yeah, yeah to be, mu- you realize that that oppor- that's an opportunity. And I think it, you know, sometimes that's fueled by a lot of stuff that people see others going through, 
which does not have to be what you go through. Right. So, and those things that are dramatic stand out. And yes. you don't even talk to the, all the people that don't talk about their mammogram because nothing early, happened. Yeah, right? That have no problems. Correct. That Most people don't mention it because there's no problem. Them, yes, yeah. every year. Um, or those who find something extremely early before it was yes. even felt and have very minimal um, treatment plans, no chemotherapy, you know, only very minimal. So there are so many different varieties of uh, things that can happen, but we tend to focus on the worst case Human scenario, nature, unfortunately, yeah. and apply that to us and say that we don't want to go through it when that could very well not be you yeah, at yeah. all. And we I need a call to action. So women listening, if it's time and you're due for your mammogram, call up today, call your doctor's office and, yeah. and schedule it. Take charge of your life and empower yourselves to do that. Absolutely. Dr. Owen says so. And the the greatest likelihood, I mean, we're talking about one in eight in the course of your lifetime. That's 12%. So the other part of that age 90, Mm -hmm. 80. So that's, that's if you live to be 90, right. right. If you're living to be 90. So it is very different. You know, if you're a 30 year old, it's not one in eight. If you're 40 year old, it's not one in eight. This is over the course of your lifetime. And, and here's the thing. So that's 12% in the course of their lifetime. What does that mean? There's another 88%. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Perfectly fine. Another yeah, 88% that's out there. And if, and if you're there. 40, your chance of having breast cancer is probably 0.01% or something. You know, it's yeah. probably, re- it is very, very low. I don't remember the exact figure, but I think it is a fraction of it a is. percent. Absolutely. So it all depends on your risk factors. So yeah, don't let that be the thing that keeps you from, and the other thing is if you're, if you're scared to get a report, you can't get the good report either. That's, That's right. You know? That's right. If we you love get, giving good reports. And usually the report is good. <laughs> yeah. If you, you, you don't get your good report, you don't get your gold star. That's right. Um, no sucker. If you, if you don't go to, to you get, don't get that a sucker, if you don't get your shot, right? <laughs> That's a very good point. Like just Thanks. like that starts very early, right? You don't mm-hmm. get the sucker if you don't get your shot. Um, but then the other thing is, you probably don't need the sucker if you don't get the shot, right? Because you're probably feeling better anyway. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> All right. Once again, let me give out the phone number. Our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're getting ready to take our last break. You can send us an email at women at mpbonline dot org. Um, we're just having a little girl talk right here about breast cancer and. We will be happy to resume that shortly after this break. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. It's high school football time, and that means it's time for Friday night under the lights. Hello, everyone. I'm Russ Robinson. Join me, Jay White, Jake Wimberly, George Broadstreet, and the whole gang as we bring you all the scores and the stories that make up high school football across the state of Mississippi. So join us tonight at 10 o'clock right here on MPB Think Radio. 
To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Southern Remedy for Women on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to women at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And we're back for the final segment of Southern Remedy for Women. And today's topic is breast cancer. I'm here in the studio with my lovely guest, Dr. Sean McKinney, who is a breast surgeon. And, of course, Dr. Allie Brown's in. Um, I want to make sure everybody gets a chance to get their calls in. We have the phone lines lighting up now. That number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. And we are going to jump right in and go straight to the phone lines with Timothy from L.A. That's Louisiana and not Los Angeles. Good morning, Timothy. Good morning, y'all. I just want to confirm something that my mother always said. She was a strong proponent of breastfeeding of her children. And she said that breastfeeding reduced the chance of a woman having cancer later in life. And I'm just wondering if she was right, you know, or not. Well, Timothy, that is a great question. Uh, There are so many benefits to breastfeeding. And actually, a lot of the studies uh, that we have on that topic um, really show that it does decrease your risk. However, um, there are some studies that show that it decreases your risk for some forms of breast cancer, but not all forms of breast cancer. So um, really conflicting. I think it's mainly because there's no good way of measuring uh, women for how much they breastfeed, you know, really putting a, a time frame on it, how much is good for each baby, um, what's the interval um, when uh, you have a baby and, and then stop and then how much breastfeeding is happening. So I think it's very hard to quantify. But as a whole, um, certainly breastfeeding for the baby standpoint is, is wonderful and should be encouraged. And hopefully if we're able to decrease the risk for some forms of breast cancer, then try and get as much benefit as we can. So long story short, is your mom's right? <laughs> mom's always part. right. Mom's Mom's always right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for your call, Timothy. Have a wonderful weekend. And we are going straight back to the phone lines. Um, we have Mary who's calling from Gulfport. Good morning, Mary. Hi, good morning. Um, I'm actually a breast cancer survivor. Um, I had a double mastectomy, and I'm, I'm great. But I have a question about my mother. Mother is 93 years old. Does she need to get a mammogram? How healthy is Mama? She's okay. I mean, she's, you know, 93-year-old, mm-hmm. kind of forget things sometimes. Yes. But other than that, she doesn't have any major problems. Right. She's a non-smoker and a non-drinker and uh she's just kind of well you know i i have operated i have operated on 90 year olds and they're you know a, a good spry 90 year old um still can have some very good years ahead of them um if she is able and willing um, then I don't see why she shouldn't have one. But um, okay. a lot of times uh, you can really do a good breast exam on uh, that age group and really, you mm-hmm. know, find something that could easily either be removed and, and diagnosed. So at the very least, 
um, I would make sure that she gets a breast exam by her physician. Great. Thank you very much. You're wonderful. So, Mary, thanks so much, and congratulations to you for being a survivor, and good luck to your mom. We're going to go straight on to the phone lines because we're getting a little short on time. We have Morella, who's calling from Jackson. Good morning, Morella. Good morning. How are y'all? We are doing fantastic. fantastic. Good, good. Um, I'm calling because I am a survivor also, and I'm encouraging women to get the yearly mammogram at 65. Mine was discovered early. I had a lumpectomy and radiation, no chemo. And am a survivor, so please go get that mammogram. Fantastic. Great message. I'm so happy for you. Indeed. And and look, and and if this is my Morella, she is a wonderful, fabulous person. She's a great friend. And thank you for calling and sharing your story. But you if you saw her walking down the street, you'd never know. You'd never know. (laughs) Absolutely. Everybody should have a Morella in their life. Thanks so much for calling. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. So we are down to our last couple of minutes, um, which is kind of, you can tell, because we had a, had a, quite a few phone calls um, right in a row. But um, as we're getting ready to wrap up the show, um, what kind of, let's just have some closing thoughts, guys. A couple of things that you think are most important for our listening audience as we are getting ready to say goodbye and they're getting ready to kick off uh, Breast Cancer Awareness next, well, tomorrow, next tomorrow. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, you know, um, everything gets really hyped up, you know, for October. But for us who uh, deal with this every day, you know, every part of the year, you know, breast health is not just for October. It is every month. So uh, women, please uh, do your breast exams. Become aware of what your breasts feel like so that if anything's different, you're the first one to notice a change. You're the first one to get in to tell your physician. If you're of age um, and eligible, please get a mammogram. It bring a friend, you know, make it a great positive experience, um, and and just get it done because it really, really can impact your life, um, good ways and bad ways. And and we want you to be diagnosed early. Give early yourself, diagnosis is key. Yeah, give yourself the gift of health. Absolutely, good Definitely. gift for yourself. Um, early diagnosis is key, is key. So you can't you can't fix what you don't know. That's right. All right. Well, thanks so much, ladies. I really enjoyed today. Southern Remedy for Women is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by generous support from the members of the Foundation for Public Broadcasting in Mississippi. Today's show was engineered by Jay White. I'm Dr. Michelle Owens. Join us next Friday at 11 for Southern Remedy for Women and stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio. underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health affairs